A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of woman, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. My grandniece, Jillian Grace, made her entry into the world very early last Sunday morning. I didn't get word of her birth until 12 hours later. The following day, I learned that her mother had been in labor for about 12 hours before she was born. When she came home the next day, her older brother and sister were whispering secrets to her. She must recognize their voices, for she would have heard their shouts of play from inside the womb. When you think about it, babies in their mother's womb are completely within and surrounded by their mother, yet they have no idea there is even such a thing as a mother. They have to be born to meet their mother face to face. Last week, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. John is like a midwife. He had the freedom, the passion, and the clear boundaries that are needed to get anything started. John is a wild man who clears the threshing floor, but after that he really does not have much to do. Jesus goes on to say, after praising him so profusely, that the very least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. What was conceived in the old is being born in the new. There is both continuity and discontinuity. It takes a second stage of life, man, like Jesus, to know how to make food out of the seed that has been winnowed, and how to heal and use the chaff that John has no patience with. Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea and out of slavery in Egypt. But Moses was not allowed to enter the Promised Land. A different leader was needed for the second stage of the journey. 
Joshua led the children of Israel through the waters of the Jordan River into the land of promise. Today we find John no longer in the wilderness, but locked in prison. This one, whom Jesus calls a messenger, is still keeping his ears and eyes open. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, Matthew writes, The word permeates even the prison walls, shines forth even through the prison bars, illuminating the darkest cell. In the Gospel of John that we read on Christmas morning, Jesus is the light shining in the darkness. And John the Baptist is often described as the moon with borrowed light, giving witness to the sun. Christmas, of course, is celebrated at the time of the winter solstice, the longest night and the shortest day of the year. Day and night move in tandem with each other. John is struggling with the task that we all face, integrating all of our life experiences, both the good and the bad, the external and the internal, the light and the shadow. As Alexander Scholzenitsyn reminds us, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. Rather than the absolute certainties John is looking for, Jesus answers with questions. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? Jesus' questions are to reposition us, expose our unconscious biases, break us out of our dualistic mind. Jesus leaves us in between, where God and grace can get at us, and where we are not at all in control. The German poet Rainer Maria Rilke wrote in his letters to a young poet, I want to ask you to bear with patience all that is unresolved in your heart, and try to love the questions themselves. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday, you will gradually, without noticing, live into the answer. Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk from the Abbey of Gethsemane, Kentucky, died 54 years ago, Saturday, December the 10th. His famous spiritual biography, The Seven-Story Mountain, is the modern sequel to St. Augustine's conversion story 16 centuries earlier. Like John the Baptist in prison, Merton used his social location within the monastery on the margins of society to critique the injustices of his time, racism, nuclear armament, poverty, and war. Merton was his contradictions, the person in motion who seeks stillness, the monk who wants to belong to the world, the famous person who wants to be unknown. This reflection, often called the Merton Prayer, is an excellent guide 
for these latter days of our Advent journey. My Lord and my God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone.